0: hello and welcome to millions of screens i'm creative producer leo garcia joined via zoom by tv awards editor libby hill and tv deputy editor ben travers today we're talking cbs all Access's metamorphosis into paramount plus the critics choice awards and the best show of 2021 so far right ben the year is young I guess but I we have someone in the poll position <laughs>
1: i would argue with that
0: i'm
2: trying I mean, to figure based, out who like who who would be we'll better we'll get to this
0: later but based based on our own tv reviews uh docket the only two things that are better right now are steve's a minus for all creatures great and small yes. and uh and ben's b for mr mayor
2: yeah i would agree with
1: this i would say both of those are better
2: well yeah, you're wrong All creatures is actually unequivocally The best show of the year so far this is millions and millions of little screens can't you shut up i'm busy boy what a great show
0: all right skipping ahead to the clicker our recap of the biggest news items from this past week uh and actually both these news items are from this week yesterday the critics choice awards announced their nominations for their upcoming award ceremony uh, the thing that I took note of was the fact that we had discussed a couple weeks ago the crown sort of switching everyone's categories uh, for season four, and it actually did land all five major acting noms that it set out to, uh, with Josh O'Connor, Olivia Colman, Emma Corrin, Toby- Tobias Menzies, and Gillian Anderson all earning noms at the Critics' Choice Awards, plus pod favorite Ted Lasso. Three noms for Best Series, Best Actor, and Best Supporting Actress for Hannah Waddingham. Uh, What were you guys, what did you guys think of these nominations? I know you guys had some thoughts about it, mostly about the inconsistencies. But Libby, if you want to sort of talk through what you thought about the Critics' Choice Awards nominations list.
2: I wrote last year, literally, that they are the best uh, slash worst show in town um, because they're they nominate things with such breadth that they inevitably pull in a lot of your favorite shows that aren't appropriately recognized in other places so you'll see things like uh what we do in the shadows yes got a lot of love at the emmys but primarily for writing here all of the like uh, nearly all of the actors were nominated things like gosh i don't know Claire Danes got a nomination for her final year of of Homeland. You know, this is where Janet McTeer gets in for Ozark. It's just a lot of, it's a lot of random stuff that if you're really into TV and TV that isn't typically uh, recognized by uh, larger awards bodies, like this is really, this is really interesting and exciting, but then it's it's just kind of all over the place as well. Uh, every category has at least six nominees, except for uh, the series categories, which have eight, which is altogether too many nominees in a single category. And then it, you just, it, it's just, it's weird. And I haven't even gotten to the reason that they're actually controversial, which is that uh, there were accusations last year in the post about how the uh organ members of the organization like take free trips on the on on network's dime on the network's dime um so it's not exactly on the up and up i mean that said maybe this year is the most uh up and up year for the critics choice awards if they weren't able to be flown anywhere um, or have special uh, screening set up for them, so who knows. Uh, this year, I think, if, if we can glean anything from it, it is that, you know, the crown is just as strong as we expected. I would say Ozark is too, but it's not in competition. So we're looking at the crown, and... But Ben, why do you hate the Critics' Choice Awards? Uh,
1: I mean, we don't have time, but <laughs> I, I will say that... Um... This year's list, as you mentioned, is at least somewhat surprising, though I give most of that credit to a lot of the reasons you mentioned before uh, that may not be 100% above board, as well as to the continued disruption caused by the pandemic. Looking at these, a lot of the reaction uh, is just me looking for certain things that aren't there, that you're used to seeing on year-end lists, that you're used to seeing nominated year after year. Uh, Even something like Succession to me, where it's like, can that? how is that not possible? Oh, yeah, it didn't come out. And, like, in any other world, we would have had a new succession this year, and we would have had other shows that kind of continually go through uh, the awards race year after year and and earn their right in. Um, And, you know, that can get boring in TV. That can get stale in TV. And having a year where we're going to, you know, spotlight some of the things that aren't always on the list can be exciting, and you end up with something like Mom getting nominated in the comedy series as well as two of the supporting stars, but no Alice and Janney, you get a lot of the weird things that Libby already mentioned. Um, But to me, it's also just, it's just a disappointment because like looking at the drama series race, you know, so much of what critics especially are supposed to be doing and, you know, should want to do, should strive to do, should be excited to do is to dig deeper than the normal viewer and discover things and try to amplify the message of shows That are a little bit more under the radar and I'm looking at the Mandalorian and I'm looking at this is us and I'm looking at the crown. I mean, even, even newer shows like Lovecraft country, they're not struggling. They did fine and they do fine. And, you know, you can take the subjective bias as far as you want it to go with me when it comes to something like the Mandalorian and this is us. Uh, but you could apply that same bias to something like Perry Mason, which a lot of people didn't respond to. And they'd have the same kind of complaints about a lot of the things that ended up on this list. So I I just don't know how to feel about this. I don't give them a lot of weight. I don't think it's going to have a lot of influence on anybody. Um, I'm happy for the people who, uh, really deserve to have a light spotlight, like a spotlight shown on them, uh, to help their series survive and to help more people find it uh it's great to finally see the good fight on some of these lists but it's much more exciting to see them on you know uh real critics that i know top 10 lists at the end of the year and real critics organizations and uh i guess i should stop saying real so many times but there you go subjective bias creeping in again
0: rockmeyer <laughs>
2: yeah hank
0: <laughs> hank got in <laughs> Uh, Well, let's move on, moving on to something that was announced formally just this morning. Paramount Plus will soon be replacing what we used to know as CBS All Access or still currently known as CBS All Access, but it's going to essentially add everything that CBS All Access is plus 20,000 episodes and movies from MTV, Nickelodeon. Comedy Central, BET, Paramount Pictures, and CBS Original Series and more as I'm reading off the press release. I have three questions and we can tackle these however, in whatever order you guys want to. One, why do all these streamers keep using the plus logo as opposed to something different and or spelling the word plus? What about subscription fatigue? Is that real? Is that going to set in? I saw a lot of uh, replies to this news where it's like, cut your cord, things will be fine, and now there's 50 different subscri- things you have to subscribe to. And then, what are you most excited for, if anything, from Paramount Plus?
1: I mean, I can answer the first two pretty quickly. Uh, second question, is there stre- is stream fatigue a thing? No, it's not. Um, that's there. It's not happening there. People will subscribe to whatever they need to subscribe to, even if it's like a for just a month or whatever to catch up on the shows that are there. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, One, uh, the plus thing as I believe we spoke about pre podcast, Leonardo um, is at this point to me, just, it's just, it's just building off a brand that already exists. The plus now represents to people a streaming service. They're like, it's a brand. And then there's a plus and that means it's a streaming service. There is Apple and there's a plus. That means Apple has a streaming service. Disney Plus uh, streaming service. Don't Discovery I don't want to correct
0: you, plus. but there's an there's an Apple, then there's a TV, then there's a plus. I it is not Apple Plus. It is Apple TV Plus.
1: To, I would defy anyone else to be able to make that clarification, especially just the common consumer who just wants to watch uh, Wolf Walkers this weekend. But uh, so I, I honestly think that Paramount is just is just leaning in. and and accepting this as reality their their question to use a plus is far more uh or far less interesting to me than their question to use paramount (laughs) so
2: yeah 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 we don't want to dig into that part of it but Um, yeah the plus is definitely for over-the-top services for over-the-top streaming services it's it's a very it's a it's a stupid but very accessible way to say extra or more or you know um, would you positive. rather subscribe to
0: Viacom Plus than Paramount Plus?
2: Yes. No. No. Apple TV Plus. We often talk about. Seems a little bit like they're uh, fumbling and looking around for influences and like, how do we make a TV? And like, I don't know. I think we need a plus. Like, and then it's plus. And then Disney's like, fuck you, plus. And uh, that actually would have been a more interesting.
0: And HBO Max, as I was telling um, as I was telling Ben, HBO Max stuck by their guns and just added another confusing HBO name (laughs) that could have been HBO Plus. HBO Now, HBO Go, HBO Max.
2: They didn't even collapse any of it. They just they just I tried to find some. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm I am more than ready for the streaming fatigue conversation.
0: Uh, So what are you excited for? What are you excited for from Viacom Plus?
1: Well, I mean, not to steal Leo's thunder, and by that I mean I will not. Leo can absolutely take my turn in discussing discussing what he's actually excited for. Um, I just need to learn more about it. At this point, like having a launch date of March 5th, 4th, sorry, March 4th, is good to know. Um, knowing that it is officially a rebrand, reboot, whatever you want to call it, of CBS All Access, meaning that the cbs all access platform that exists will just morph into a different title with a different design but still be there is also good to know i i have cbs all access it's uh, i enjoy it i actually watch it fairly regularly um but we don't know how much it's going to cost uh we don't know exactly how all of the brands are going to fit within it and most interesting to me is i need to figure out what's going on with showtime i don't understand how Showtime uh, hasn't been latched into this in some way very concretely already and uh, as we were discussing beforehand they're planning a February 24th uh, like streaming talk, streaming event to kind of uh, you know, unveil more details to investors and thus the general public about what this service is going to be and I think all of these questions will be answered and that's very close to the release date which I think is probably a mistake probably should get that out earlier but um those answers will come and i really i just i guess maybe this is an argument towards libby's belief in the fatigue i don't want to get excited until i know that like you can give me the originals if you want but i don't know of any off offhand and nothing that came up in the immediate search and they're not you know plugging anything already they haven't plugged shows yet they're like get excited for these shows Um, So I don't know what to get excited about. I need to know a lot more about it before I even want to build up the energy to it. So that's my answer and then uh, obviously seed time to Leo's very correct and specific uh, anticipated program.
2: No, I have nothing I'm anticipating either, but uh, Leo, I want to go ahead and ask you if you have something. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not falling into that trap again. Uh, I want to ask you if you have something on Paramount Plus that you're particularly excited for.
0: Well, I'm. I'm not. There's no originals, obviously, as Ben just said. So we have. There's nothing new coming down the pike. But the library content is what would most interest me, just because for so long it has been hard to sort of watch Comedy Central's original programming unless you had uh, Comedy Central as part of your cable. A package if you had cable and as a long time cord cutter I have not had Comedy Central for a long time uh, so being able to revisit shows that I may have only seen in screener form so like Detroiters uh, or corporate uh, shows that I found found interesting more recently but then also there's, prob- there's a lot of backlog that you know let's go back and watch That's My Bush and see how that, that's holding up I regret <laughs> everything
1: I said about giving Leo time <laughs>
2: What about? I thought you had some some MTV tidbits you were oh anticipating. oh my
0: big MTV tidbits were like I <laughs> uh, if if they had uh, the entire back catalog of Real World Road Wars Challenge like that's great like second screen viewing um, can like, we review it can we can
2: we review can, can we I review, review old, every
0: episode can I, re- can, can I review old seasons of Real World Road Rules Challenge yeah
1: yeah if you want to. <laughs> Yes.
0: Is there there an IndieWire review of Joe's Apartment? Can I review Joe's Apartment for IndieWire?
1: If there's not, then it's all yours, buddy. But only if it's (laughs) available on Paramount+.
0: Mostly library content is what I'm interested because so much of that stuff just doesn't exist anywhere else. Well, guys, this past Friday, Disney Plus launched the very first MCU show... One division, uh, and I'm going to start this with a very simple question: Great show, or greatest show?
1: Leo, it gotcha. worries me that you already want to put this on Ted Lasso's <laughs> level. Like, I it's been two episodes for you, bud. Hey, I, I don't know about that. No,
0: I I I understand. I understand Ben's uh, reticence to give the show a, a better rating, but we we should probably talk <laughs> about the fact that what does this mean moving forward? Like the, the line between the the cinematic universe has now been blurred. I think agents of shield did it very poorly. And obviously the Netflix shows really didn't Jeff do it. Loves, just referring, just Jeff referring loves, to the, yeah, just <sighs> referring to the New York uh, event or whatever they called it. Every time they're like, Oh, the thing that happened in Manhattan. But yeah, I, I do think this is an interesting moment where like with all the films being released on HBO max, Again, the blurring of the line between what is film and what is TV is getting more and more transparent. And obviously, even though having just seen two episodes, the series is going to tie very directly into the films that will occur afterwards. Uh, Most notably, the next Doctor Strange film, uh, Multiverse of Madness, I believe, is the working title, which Ben can't help but smirk through.
1: They're already... I mean I guess, you know, if you've got a guy named Doctor Strange, lean in by all means. Go nutso with the titles, but You to, gave this to,
0: you gave this show <laughs> the same score you gave Servant Season Two. Defend that.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> much like Servant Season Two is a ad for Apple TV, or actually all of Apple's products, uh, WandaVision is very much an ad for the MCU. Marvel and the worst of modern television, uh, I fear it hasn't gotten there yet, but I do worry about it. But the one thing that I that I don't feel like enough people are talking about yet that I tried to point out in my review was I don't think this is a TV show. Like, technically, it is a TV show. I don't want to have the small axe format wars again about whether or not It, it is technically a television show. But one of the problems that people repeatedly cited with a lot of the previous Marvel TV attempts. Or that they were very bloated, that they 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 didn't really know how to construct a season, let alone seasons that went together and, and had like a big long narrative arc. WandaVision is trying to cheat that problem by being a limited series, which, you know, great, good, go make a limited series if you have the material to do it. But over the three episodes that I've seen, they are repeating the same question at the end of every episode. They're not they're holding back information. They are not giving you anything of substance to latch onto in the meantime, and they're actively giving you reasons not to care about the primary thing happening on the show. Like they keep teasing this idea that it's not real, that it's that it's an imagined reality, that it's something conjured up by uh, another force who's entrapped Wanda and Vision in this world, or Wanda herself, or all of these other you know ideas. And and to me, that's that's a fundamental problem. With I mean far too much TV that sees a need to stretch itself out. Um, but it's also just a hint that this is really a much shorter concept, a much shorter story that's been ballooned out into a longer thing <laughs> that we didn't need to do. They could have just made a movie, and instead they were like, well, we can really hide it as television. We can really make it look like classic TV, and we'll pay homage to TV in every episode, but we're only going to give you two minutes of story every time. And that should be, that's going to be enough for you guys, because I know you're just clinging on to see how Phase 4 is going to start. And you know what? That's not how you make TV. And that's not very satisfying to me. And that was my big problem so far. Again, I hope, like, I've discussed this with probably too many people at this point. I hope I'm very wrong. I hope that WandaVision goes in a whole other direction by its fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh episodes. Uh, but it really does have the roadmap of being decade by decade, TV homage, TV homage, TV homage. And by the second episode, I'd argue it's already running out of road in terms of how long we can sit with that TV homage and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah I care about this. This is a real thing. This is happening and I'm invested. Uh, so I'm sorry. I, I have talked too long again.
0: Libby, you mentioned pre-pod uh, that you might be the target audience for WandaVision. What, do you enjoy about the show, and what has Ben wrong about
2: I thought has been wrong about? i I don't know that I, let me start by saying I don't know that Ben's wrong with anything about anything oh. in this argument um just be clear uh <sighs> no, but it, it's um it's an odd little thing i I think that I enjoy that they're making it because it seems strange, and uh I don't understand it, and it's something I love that I don't understand it um but yeah i was kind of pre-prepped for for liking this even after i heard that the reviews were a little soft um i am obsessed with television uh i am into the mcu um and i love i am the number one fan of elizabeth olsen dealing with grief so uh yeah it is it's it's a natural fit for me but i this, uh, WandaVision is the one time I sort of understand Star Wars fans uh, who enjoy the Mandalorian. They're just, they just want to be in the universe. They don't care about the quality so much. They don't care about the story so much, which to me is less offensive when it's like a 20 minute story and not a however long Mandalorian episodes are. Well, I mean, I don't think it was a movie because I, I think it has to be a limited series because that's their whole thing. That's how they have set it up. And the other part of it is, this is exactly what Marvel fans want. Marvel fans want Easter eggs. They want callbacks. They want to study every frame and try and piece it all together. Um, you're talking about people who put up with 45 second references to the Infinity Stones for eight years. Like, I don't, I, I, I feel like you need to understand who you're dealing with here, who your audience is. WandaVision understands its audience. Um, Insofar as it thinks people are gonna watch, uh, I enjoy it because the show's fucking weird. Uh, I don't know why it exists. It it has no it has no place in this reality or any other. And and like, I like the balls of just being like, I don't know, let's just make something weird. Like I like TV and I like the MCU and Disney Plus just backed up the Brink's truck, so let's fucking do it. You know, there's there's a huge part of it too that's just like, let's put Catherine Hahn in period pieces every week. And like, who am I to speak against that? She has a a rabbit called Senior, Senior Scratchy who played Jesus in the Christmas pageant last year. Like, I don't know. It was just nice to sit there and, and live in that. And I think that Elizabeth Olsen... Uh, definitely could have been a, a sitcom housewife. And I definitely was surprised to see Paul Bettany being sort of a weird British uh, Dick Van Dyke. I did not see that coming. Um, this show is better than it has any right to be. I don't know if it's good, but I know that I enjoyed watching it.
0: And as, and as someone who is wary about things that, you know, aren't really, that, that straddle the parody line uh, too heavily... Like, I was very worried in the first five minutes of WandaVision where I was like, this is going to get old very fast. And luckily, I think either because of the performances of both uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany and the supporting uh, cast, it doesn't feel that way. At least in the first two episodes, there's enough sort of there's enough new takes on the old tropes to keep people interested. And I think to Libby's point, it's fun to sort of look at you know Dick Van Dyke and Bewitched, and I don't know what the third episode is going to be, whether it's All in the Family or or uh, Three's Company or I don't know what '70s show they they choose to to use. Yeah, I, I just think I just think there's there's enough there for for me to sort of be invested in it, but I understand Ben your perspective on it and not enjoying it in the same way because you don't like the MCU generally. And so it makes sense that you wouldn't enjoy a show that is almost specifically set up to be like a, a pillar to hold up two edges of, of the MCU right now.
1: Let me let me just ask a question here. Because one, I, I always hate the framework of of the critic doesn't like enough superhero stuff, he's not gonna <laughs> enjoy this one. Uh, that was I saw I saw like real time trolling of Variety's Caroline framke when she posted her wandavision review where some dude immediately asked yeah but how many of the mcu movies did you watch and it's just like one fuck off uh and two it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter but uh what concerns me about the way that wandavision the first of the mcu shows uh, that are coming to Disney Plus and, and that will be a part of the official Marvel MCU canon and, and like you said, carry, introduce however you want to frame it, the movies that surround them the movies did do this like you said libby the movies did do you know they'd have 45 second talk about the infinity stone stone thor ragnarok is nothing but a series of cameos from one character to the next to either call back to something that has happened and someone that has happened or to set something up that's about to happen and the next thing like it's just like that's what they are but you got a full story with a full arc in two hours and you paid to see that one thing And you really enjoyed that installment of that one thing, knowing that it was going to tie into all of these other installments. But you didn't have to wait eight weeks, nine weeks, two years, whatever it is for their future TV shows to figure out what was happening in the show, uh, to worry to solve the puzzle, to do all the things. Like what worries me about WandaVision is it feels like they are taking that same idea. We've all known that Marvel has been making episodic, whatever you want to call it, since Iron Man started. They're taking that idea, they're applying it to television, and instead of applying it to an ongoing narrative or choosing narratives that can sustain the weight, they're wholly reliant on expanding it with a story that doesn't need to be told in nine hour, four and a half hours. It could be told in two hours. If you eliminate the sitcom portions of those episodes... You could see it in six or seven minutes. And if they continue with that pace, then the only things that really matter in the episodes could be done in a, in a, like a much shorter amount of time. And we've seen this problem pop up for stuff like star Wars, when it sticks around long enough and all you're doing is referencing other things or talking about nostalgia or looking toward the future or trying to set up spinoffs. It's not as sustainable as when you're actively building something to engage with in the moment. And when they were making those movies, it did feel like they were trying to engage you moment to moment in each one of the movies. I worry that the TV is instead not worrying about that. They're just worrying about, we got to keep you hooked for eight weeks. We got to keep. We got get phase four going. We got to set up all these other things. And the culmination will make people happy and will give them enough Easter eggs and tidbits to sustain them. But won't that eventually wear you out? Won't that not be enough after a certain amount of time? Don't you want like, true innovation and, and exciting storytelling and, and something that, that isn't so predictable. Like, I, I, I get what you mean when you say it's nice to know who Katherine Hahn's character is and it's it's nice to know how that ties into, you know, what's going forward and to guess some of that stuff. But don't you want to be surprised by anything? Like, I, I am not part of this and the show feels like I understand it after this long and I want to be wrong. I desperately want to be wrong. But it it also feels like it's supposed to be that way, which I worry about.
0: But couldn't you argue that like making a show that is taking the tropes of television history and uh, in an episodic fashion that that is a new style of storytelling for at least the Marvel universe? There isn't a Disney <laughs> show that's doing that. And also, I, th- I think it's I think it's weird to sort of think of like shows like Community that were really about nothing and would have shows like this is the paintball episode and it's going to be like an action adventure like I, I think that and you could argue that maybe the comedy's better there and there's better performers in those shows doing comedy but i think I'll, i i i jumped off the community bandwagon for the same very same reason you're saying that wandavision doesn't work in some of the ways where it's like there was nothing there and they were essentially doing uh parodies of various uh parodies of various genres episode to episode.
1: Yeah. I think, I think community went on too long, like you're saying. Um, And I think there's other examples of it, but to me, I, I just understanding admitting that for people who really just love these characters, getting to spend time with them, no matter what is going on is enjoyable. It's, it's honestly how I feel whenever Ted Danson comes on TV. Like we talked about last week, two weeks ago, it's like, I like watching Ted Nansen. I just want to see him perform. He's really good and funny, and that's worth 20 minutes of my day. Like, you know, unless it was really, really bad. And WandaVision isn't really, really bad, and I really enjoy the comedy of it. I actually enjoy the sitcom stuff when the, those first five, ten minutes before anything really weird happens, other than, you know, the fact that he's an android and they make jokes about it. Uh, I really enjoy that part of WandaVision, and I wanted to be able to invest in it, and I wasn't able to, Um So the thing, again, the thing that worries me is more the Westworld side of it. Like Westworld spent a lot of time in a digital world for like season two and season three where there weren't really any actual consequences to what was going on. But you were supposed to invest in both the action and and like what the characters were choosing to do and how Tandy Newton was going to escape her digital jail to have an effect in the actual world. And it's like, I can't spend 45 minutes watching Tandy didn't do that. I need her to get to the real world. I'm watching television. Television is already one step removed from the real world. Now you're asking me to be removed again from your reality. Like it's too many steps. So when WandaVision starts doing that, I have the same feeling. It spoils the fun of watching those sitcoms. And I know there were critics who didn't really even like the sitcoms. They were, they thought that the jokes weren't punchy enough, that the writing wasn't sharp enough, they didn't compare to the stuff they were homaging. And I actually thought the sitcom stuff was great. I really enjoyed it. I thought, like you've been saying, that the performances, especially and the leads, not even you know my favorite, Katherine Hahn, um, were fantastic. And, and I could watch that if they actually wanted me to invest in it for a while. But I can, you know, again purposefully by design it's the mcu and and it is setting something up and there is a reveal coming etc it's very clear that i'm not supposed to invest that much in what's going on i'm supposed to just find the clues as to what's really going on and frankly i'm spending too much time finding the clues and there's not enough of them so i don't it just starts to pitter out and westworld was similar where it was like boy oh boy you need me to really invest in the mystery and the maze and the rest of it and when there's nothing at the core it doesn't work so i i i need the core of wandavision to come out much sooner i need to understand what i'm investing in very quickly and it's been a third of the show and they're still just like we're gonna tell you in a while we're gonna wait and we're gonna tell you in a little bit it's like speed it up
2: Here's what I know going in is, you know, I we saw Vision die die in the films. Uh, we know they are not together. We know that this is not real. We know what's going on. The broad strokes of going of what's going on, I think. Uh, and I am interested in that. I guess I'm interested to see the exploration of of whatever's happening in Wanda's mind because, and I, I I know, I know for a fact that I am giving them too much credit. I know that, but I want to believe that this is one of the, one of the rare times that the MCU wants to get into the aftermath of what has happened and um, the consequences of, of something that's happened. And I think that I don't, I don't necessarily see it as a means to an end to set up a film franchise, but rather taking a story that was happening in the background, taking a story that uh, was contained within a larger, co- uh, a, a larger context and popping it out and putting it. And being, I think, I want to tell this story. Uh, this, is, uh, this is something I want to delve further into. I want to expand because God knows that Wanda Maximoff didn't exactly get the best character exploration. And it's probably not gonna be that. It's probably not uh gonna be a great exploration of grief. It's probably not going to justify its own existence, but it's kind of interesting to see them try. I it is far more interesting for me to watch WandaVision than it will almost certainly be for me to watch Winter Soldier and Falcon and and winter soldier, like this is something different. This is something I can hook into, but it's probably something they should have dropped all at once. Like it's something that should have been, that should have been pinched. Cause that's how you would hold people's interest, but they never would do that because they want people to come back.
1: Right. No, I, I, again, like, and, seeing past just the Disney master strokes of everything they release is also one of the challenges that (laughs) I think a lot of critics and anybody who thinks hard about television has to face and overcome. Um, But the show you're talking about Libby, that is the show I want to see. And it's like, on the one hand it, it feels so forcefully fed that we're going to get this TV homage and they're so good at it. They're so good at performing it. And you know, if it was just a regular TV pilot that I watched with those actors and it was a throwback and it was, uh, you know, kind of, kind of commenting on some of the sexism and and discrimination that was inherent to that era. And especially in that era of television uh, and they were going to, you know, develop that out as the season went on. I'd be so excited about this show. And if it was the other show that you're talking about, and I'd seen that and they'd acknowledge that I'd be so excited about that show as well. It's the fact that they're keeping that show in the back and using this other one as a distraction, not to play off of the, magician's metaphor in the second episode too much it does just feel like a bad magic trick like it just feels like you know they're showing you the rabbit while they're also just being like look at the hat look at the hat the hat it's got a trick in it so i yeah they're definitely writing
2: a show that they want they're they're writing this show as if they're writing a show i want but it may just be a distraction so they never give me that show um, I think
1: they'll give it to us i just i just hope it's enough. I hope it's not you know a five minute scene in episode seven or eight like yeah. i hope it's a, a, I
0: hope it's the last half of the season i I will say Leo, that you talk i will say well you would have to assume they're getting close to contemporary time pretty quickly. <laughs> There's only so many decades left um that they could cover seventies um, 80s. eighties 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 is four nineties five, two thousand tens. So you yeah, go all the way up to seven. I would say two thousand tens is there is there something discernibly two thousand tens or or two thousands, two thousand you'd be like, this is the Mr. robot. <laughs> I mean I mean the
1: clips I saw was modern family esque and some of the stuff that they they talked about. Like so they're they're gonna get up to present day as far as I guess you would, I you, don't would know you would you would do a
0: talking head a talking head mockumentary. That would be the style of of the aughts. Um if you were going to do that. The The thing I would say is that I did watch a interview with Kevin Feige where he mentioned that the original plan was to release it all at once and that they only decided to do a weekly rollout, which I know is your preferred method, Ben, after the success of the Mandalorians sort of word of mouth week to week. And I... I think it's difficult if you think something is always going to be one thing while you're producing it. I think it's difficult to then switch just based on what something else is. And if you're putting the show together and you're saying it's going to be an all at once drop, we can sort of play within the the sandboxes of each, you know, decade sitcom structure. I, th- I think maybe it's different if you're doing that all at once, because then it doesn't seem like things are stretched out or bloated too much. I, I don't disagree with a lot of things Ben said. Like, I I think they are, I wish the show was weirder. I wish there was more weirdness in the show. If this stuff is made up, there should be more glitches. There should be more weird things that are happening. And right now they're sort of being parsed out pretty sporadically. But yeah, I, I think it's also a testament to like, this thing was going to be dropped all at once to binge. And then a macro corporate decision was stretch it out because this other show did well by stretching it out. The analogy I would make for WandaVision is that like in comics, there are typically like very long arcs that, you know, go from issue to issue and take several issues to to wrap up. This feels like a one shot that like requires you to know everything that's happened in the, other, in the other comics. And it's like, but it's all self-contained and like a double issue. And it's like, here's a double issue. It's just about this one story. It's a side story to the main thing happening. You can read it if you want, but you also don't have to read it. I think that's that's also sort of that's sort of the. I think the mo is like if you don't want to if you don't subscribe to Disney Plus if you don't want to watch any of the MCU shows I think you can still just watch the movies and you will not be lost. Like you can just you'll be able to jump into Doctor Strange and know exactly what's going on. They will make sure that you you understand what's happening and that this is just uh, extra reading.
2: I think this has been a really good conversation, you guys.
0: I agree. I think we've come to a great ending point where we all agree WandaVision is not the greatest show, but it is a great show. (laughs) Yes. Uh Uh-huh. That was was my summary of the conversation. Yeah,
2: I remember Ben saying that.
0: Yep. I remember Ben Travers saying, WandaVision, it's not the greatest show. I remember saying it's not the greatest show, and that's all I remember. So it ha- the other option I gave him was great show. So it has to be a great show. <laughs> Millions of screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation. IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video of Bjork talking about TV and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Our editor in chief is Dana Harris Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. Our executive editor is Ann Donahue. Our favorite Elizabeth Olsen and Morning projects are Martha Marcy May Marlene, Sorry for Your Loss, and Avengers Endgame. I would argue, Ben, that Avengers: Infinity War is more the morning movie. Oh, okay. Because that's where she has to well, actually. I didn't think you liked. She has to murder Vision.
2: No, it's a terrible movie, but yeah. she does. Yeah, have I to didn't think Vision. you liked
1: it, so I was just. Plus, if she actually does it in that movie, then she's in mourning in the next one, right? So.
2: Well,
0: yeah, not to spoil tracks. too much, Ben, but she's not in a lot of the next one because she got blipped. She got snapped out of existence. Spoiler alerts! If you haven't watched <laughs> the two now. biggest movies of all time. Um, our favorite Elizabeth Olsen Avatar? Yeah. Our favorite Elizabeth Olsen and Jer- Jeremy Renner not in the MCU movie is Wind River. Millions of Screens endorses Elizabeth Olsen You can find us on Twitter at a million screens at Midwest Spitfire at Ben T. Travers and at Leo and Garcia. You can find us on Apple Podcast Spotify, Google Play. So leave a review and let us know what you think If it's good we might read it on the air This is Ben. Libby and Leo remind you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you
2: Didn't let
0: poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool <laughs> podcast. <laughs>